Uh, if you would this morning, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to hit the pause button on the book of Jude just for the simple reason that we're here for our missions conference and uh, I really want this to be uh, the focus of our minds and hearts this week. Now, you know that I don't make it a habit, at least to try not to, to you know, hit on any one-two issue too long. I try not to have hobby horses. And, and one of the ways that I kind of guard against that is by preaching through books of the Bible. That means that I'm going to preach the text as it was written by the inspired authors and with their authorial intent. In other words, as, as many times as the Scriptures talk about hell, that's how much I'm going to talk about hell. As much as it talks about uh, salvation or holiness or sanctification or whatever we may come across, I'm going to hit it when the author hits it. I love doing that. It, it keeps me from preaching Brandon and keeps me preaching the Bible. And so I said all that to say this. We're going we're gonna to deal with a subject this morning that can sometimes get people hot under the collar, and that is giving. <laughs> and so uh, we're going to go to this text this morning because I believe this is one of the greatest texts in the Bible that talks about uh, giving, and I would say most specifically uh, giving to missions. Um, now, just to give you the kind of the background, and you can, I won't go here for the sake of time, but you can jot this down and go look at it in your own time. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, uh, the Apostle Paul is appealing to the church at Corinth to take up an offering for the struggling church in Jerusalem. Uh, the church in Jerusalem was under great persecution, mostly by the Jews at that time. And uh, they just needed some help uh, in a financial sense. And so uh, Paul is appealing to them uh, to take up this offering for the work of the church there. Now the Corinthian church, I'll say this about the church at Corinth. Uh, you know, they get a bad rap for being the carnal church. And certainly for a while they were. I mean, they had some rank sin in the church that they weren't dealing with. And um, But when Paul railed on them in his first letter, by the time you get to 2 Corinthians, it appears that he is speaking to a much more mature audience. And in 2 Corinthians, you see that the, the church at Corinth, they're just so overjoyed to be able to give to this church, to their brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling in Jerusalem. And apparently, the church at Corinth uh, they did have financial means by which to give, whereas Jerusalem did not. And Paul actually, when appealing to the church at Corinth, he specifically mentions the church at Macedonia who also joyfully gave, but the difference in Macedonia is they didn't have much to give. They gave out of their poverty, and he reminds the church at Corinth that the Lord had blessed them materially much more so than the church at Macedonia. And uh, they were more than willing to, to give and to meet these needs. They were joyful givers. And uh, so with that in mind, kind of the context and the background, uh, let's read this in 2 Corinthians 8. We'll read the first 15 verses and come back and look at some things. Uh, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, we do to you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, 
not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord, and unto us by the will of God. And so much that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, He that hath gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises of the gospel and the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, I'm I'm thankful for our visitors that are here this morning. And uh, God, we just thank you for this opportunity to be a blessing to missionaries who are carrying the gospel, the only message that can set somebody free from their sin and save somebody from hell, God. We can have a part in that, and I'm thankful for that. Lord, I pray you help me just to make this subject clear and that you would begin to work in our hearts individually that we would know what you would have us to do this week and beyond. Just remove me out of the way, forgive me of sin and self, and uh, just fill me your Holy Spirit. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Christ's name I pray these things. Amen. This morning I'm preaching on the thought of the grace of giving. The grace of giving. And that phrase is even used here. Paul calls it this grace. And I want to specifically talk about the subject of what we call faith promise missions. That's the way that we support our missionaries. And uh, quite honestly, I had been in the ministry a long time. And, you know, I've kind of heard about it as some far off distant thing. Um, But I didn't really understand it until... I went to a missions conference, and it was either 2015 or 2016, and I heard about it, and it really sparked my interest, and I tested God on it, and I'm, I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. You're going to leave here, if nothing else, understanding what Faith Promise Missions in, is and, and why we do that, just to kind of give a, a brief outline before we get into the text this morning. Uh, when we give to the Lord and we give to the local church, uh, we try to make a distinction between our tithe and our missions offering. You know, very quickly, I want to talk about the tithe. Now, the word tithe, uh, it literally, the word itself means a tenth. And I want to be clear, I, I could, I'm not one of these preachers that says that you can find a command in the New Testament of thou shalt tithe a tenth of your income. I can't find it in there. Um, I wouldn't try to do that, and, and I believe there's a reason for that. I'll get to that in a minute. What I will say, though, is if you look in the Old Testament, even before the giving of the law, 
You see men like Abraham and Jacob with, without God even commanding them. They didn't have a command to do that either. But God had been so good to them that of their own selves they purposed in their heart as an act of worship to God that they were going to give a tenth of all their increase. And also we find in the law uh, that it was commanded and the tithe under the law, uh, what it went to was to support the priestly work at the temple there. And it went to support the work of the temple there. And in the New Testament, you don't find a mandate for a tithe. But I've always been of the opinion, if, if people gave a tenth before the law, and they gave a tenth during the law and because of the law, why would we decide that we have a mandate not to do so in the New Testament under the age of grace? In fact, I've always taken it as a challenge to where if they gave that much, that ought to be the very minimum that I give. That's just always been my attitude. And um, you, you say, well, why didn't God specifically command us to do that in the New Testament? I believe it's for reasons of the heart. And what I mean by that is, you know, even when it comes to my children, we, we've had this conversation. In fact, we had a, a, a similar conversation this week. We, we talked specifically about Romans 14 issues that are not specifically mapped out in the Bible and how I, I told my kids, I said, you need to be careful about, uh, you know, letting people control you with unscriptural convictions. But I said, you also need to be careful to respect others that have different convictions than you do that aren't specifically mentioned in the Bible. And I believe when it comes to the tithe, we've had this conversation about, you know, even when it comes to their allowance or when they get a little older and they start working a job, even though they may live under my roof, I've told them, that I am not going to stand over their shoulder and make them uh, give a tenth of what they have because that's between them and God. And the problem becomes, if I step in there and I make them do it, well, now it's between me and them and not between them and God. You see, there's going to come a time where they leave my household and they're going to have to make their own decisions. Are they going to go to church? Are they going to tithe? Are they going to share the gospel with others faithfully? And at that point, if it's always been between me and them, and they have no desire to do it between them and God, they're probably not going to do it. And if they do, it's going to be for the wrong reasons. And that's, the, that's why I think God doesn't give us a mandate. Hey, it's out there, it's open, it's for you. But the challenge is that as good as God has been to us, how dare we not give back? Because financial stewardship is an act of worship. It's an absolute act of worship. And so that's the reason I don't think God made a mandate because it's out there and it's between you and Him. And to me, that's even more of a challenge than just saying here. Because that gives you kind of a minimum that maybe... You know, make yourself feel better about it. And so uh, I think there's an even greater challenge in that instance in the New Testament to give, even than there was under a mandate. So, so I'm about to make a strange statement. When it comes to Christians giving, it's not mandated, but it's not optional. So if you make sense of that, it's not mandated, but it's not optional either. Um, and so uh, let's get into our text this morning. What do we need to know about the grace of giving. What do we need to know when it comes specifically to faith promise missions? Well, uh, number one, I want you to know about the source of giving. 
the source of giving. Look at, uh, at our text here, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do to you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now Paul is, is speaking to the church at Corinth and he is using the church at Macedonia as an example of where our resources come from. Right out of the gate, he is saying that God bestowed His grace upon the churches of Macedonia and even though they were poor, they gave and God took care of them. Uh, he was reminding them of the source of our material possessions anyway, of our good gifts um, now, many times in our American culture, if we're honest, it just seems too easy for us to think about our material possessions uh, as strictly a result of our hard work or our education or our, good, our work ethic or you know all the things we could point to and say, we know I earn that, I deserve it, I work hard for what I have, and, and that may be true, but here's the thing, God gave you all those things anyway. Uh, James 1 and verse 17, it says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 45 that He, talking about God the Father, He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Every good thing we have in this life came from God. And it comes from God. Listen, He gives us the health to get out of bed and go to work. He gives us the ability and the talent, the gifts to be able to work the job that we have. And He's given us the opportunity for work. Uh, he blesses the work that we do. And He keeps the proverbial locust away. And so everything that we have is His. It's not ours. Name one thing that you have that wasn't given to you. What did you do to bring yourself into this world? What do you do to sustain yourself? What do you do to keep your heart beating in your chest? What do you do to keep the lungs breathing air in and out? Listen, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd have fallen down dead a long time ago. And so everything that we have is from God. Everything. What did you do? to obtain the abilities and the talents that you have, the, the mental capacity that you have. Uh, I mean, without Him, we're, we, were, we would be nothing. We could do nothing. Apart from Him, we are nothing. And so uh, when we understand that everything that we have comes from God, it changes everything. 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 10, it says, Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now the word charity in the King James Bible, in the Old English, it has a little bit different meaning than we have today. In fact, it goes deeper than the way that we use it today. When we think about charity, you know, we think about giving to the Red Cross or... Uh, Samaritan's Purse, and those are good things to do. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but charity in the King James Bible, it's, it's really the deepest kind of love that you can have in the sense of the word charity, its literal meaning is love in action. It's love in shoe leather. Uh, 
It's love that does something. It's not just a, a, a gushy feeling, you know, the, the Hollywood version of love that we romanticize so much. It is a, a love, it is a self-sacrificing love on the behalf of somebody else. And so that's the idea here. As God has given to us, uh, we should give to others. And, you know, as I mentioned, that when we understand that what we actually have isn't ours, uh, and that we can be channels of blessings with what God has given us, it changes everything. God is our source for everything. And so really, in a sense, it's not even us giving of what we have. We're, we're, just, we're just a delivery boy for God. It's, it's God giving through us. That, that whole concept will change the way that you view uh, giving to others. And, and as we talk about these concepts, understand, I'm using this in the context of giving to missions, but this can be applied to so many other things. You know, people that are struggling uh, financially. You may know some people um, <clears throat> that have nothing to do with church. They may not even be believers. And you know of a specific need they have. And you have the means to meet those needs. Well, guess what? God probably set you up. And I've just learned that, you know, at least in my life now, I'm, I'm, I'm not using this as a prescription for everybody else, but in my life, I've found typically that there's no such thing as extra money. <laughs> and, and I say that because even in times in my life where I had extra money, I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do with this extra money? And then I find out about somebody who has a specific need that is almost identical to the amount of extra money that I have, and I'm like, oh, well, there it goes. <laughs> but that, I'm, I'm thankful. I joke about that, but I'm thankful for those things. And those are the kind of things that build eternal rewards. When you understand that your treasure is in heaven, then the things that you give and the things that you sacrifice to the Lord in this life, they're not sacrifices. They're investments in eternity where thieves can't break in and steal and rust can't corrupt. And I mean, it's really a, it's really a good deal. And uh, so I want you to understand that God is our source. So don't beat your chest and you know, think you're high and mighty forgiven. No, you're just being a delivery boy for God. Because everything we have is borrowed. He has given us His resources to use for Him and His glory and the furtherance of His kingdom and of the getting out of the gospel and the Great Commission. But... <clears throat> Not only the source of giving, I want you to know about the sustaining of giving. And this is really where I'm going to try to break down faith promise missions a little bit more. Uh, the sustaining of giving. <clears throat> Look at verse 3. For to their power, talking about the Macedonian church, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing to give of, uh, of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift, and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in the same grace also. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also." I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the foreignness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might be rich. Now, 
Of course, Christ wasn't talking about uh, physical, material wealth there. Uh, he was talking about spiritual riches. I, I don't have time to get into all that, but I, I know that uh, you know, some health and wealth prosperity pushers like verses like that, but uh, that's not what he's talking about. But in this text, what we just read, Paul once again refers to the Macedonian church as an example of giving, and this time he does it to point out that God seemed to make a way for them even when the math wasn't there for them. He says the phrase used, they, they gave out of their poverty, not in their power, but they gave out of their poverty. Now, <clears throat> faith promise missions, the concept is this. If, if I was to break down in just a nutshell, maybe one sentence, what faith promise missions is, it's when you give to missions understanding that God is going to make up the difference. That's what it is, really. And the first missions conference that I went to was preached by a man by the name of Stenet Blue. He was, he's with the Lord now. But he talked about his experience with Faith Promise Missions, and he actually went to this text, and also in chapter 9, where we're about to go here in a minute. And the, the illustration he gave was this, and I've never forgotten this. He said, if you think about faith promise missions as this, uh, he said, which his children were much older at the time, but, but he said when his children were younger, he said they were about 13, 14, and you know, if he had to run to the store to do a quick errand, sometimes maybe they would go get milk or something, and he would pull up to the convenience store, and he would give his son or his daughter some money to go in there and get milk or groceries or whatever, and he would just stay in the car and I thought, first of all, that's good fatherly privilege right there. But, um, but he said he, he would give them the money and, and go get the, the groceries. And the illustration, the point he was making was this. I, as their father, with the means to get these things, am sending my child on a specific errand for me. I'm not going to expect and require them to do it of their own self. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to make up the difference. And he said, if there was ever anything that God would provide for in our life, it would be getting the great commission out to a lost and dying world. If there was ever anything that the Heavenly Father would cover at His expense, it would be fulfilling the great commission. And I thought, wow, what a, what a profound thought. And I never got over that. And he said, he said, understand this. He said, this is where the health and wealth crowd gets it wrong. He said, they, they teach a, a perverted form of this concept that I'm about to talk about in the sense of, they say, you know what, if, if you give, if you sow a seed, well, they love using that phrase. It's not, you know, uh, you sow a seed of $100, the Lord will return to you 10, 20, 100 fold, he's going to give you $1,000 or $10,000 or, you know, he's going to, I even, I'm not making this up. I heard one of these uh, Facebook prosperity prophets that come on and do these live videos sometimes. So I'll know them this week, as a matter of fact. But he made the statement <laughs> that if, um, <clears throat> if, so, if they would send the title to their vehicle, if they would send him their vehicle, you know, their, their old, it could even be an older vehicle, maybe it was wore out, that God would send them the keys to a brand new Cadillac Escalade. I'm not making it up. And I honestly, you know, you think that people wouldn't be duped by that, but that guy probably was able to open up a used car lot with all the cars he got that week. But um, that's not what we're talking about here. I am in no way saying that if you give to God, He's going to 
just light your socks off and give you a new mansion and a new car and new... By the way, if you give expecting to get back in return, you have a selfish motive anyway. You're not given to the work of God. You're not given because you love the Lord. You're not given because you want uh, the gospel to get out to a lost and dying world. You're, you're giving because you want something. That is emphatically not what we're talking about this morning. But at the same time, <clears throat> God is going to take care of us when we give to do the work that He's called us to do. He's going to take care. He's going to do it as His expenses. And I even, you know, when, when Brother Stennett shared that story... It even changed the way that I prayed from that point on, even concerning my own personal finances. Um, I I used to work uh, for a a large pest control company, and I had my own route. I I took care of like two or three counties at one time, and I would service hundreds of customers every month. And they supplied me with a work truck. They gave me a gas card. They gave me a uniform. They bought all my supplies for everything I needed to do the job. And any time that I needed gas, I put in their gas card. Um, if, if I had to go get supplies, I went by the shop and got my supplies. But why? Because I was doing the work they had assigned me to do, and they were going to cover the expenses of doing that. And there's been times I, I just went full-time in the ministry back in, I believe it was 2018. It hadn't been that long. I've, I've been bivocational much longer than I've been full-time in the ministry and there's been times where, uh, man, it just looked like there was going to be way too much month at the end of the money. And uh, I remember praying. I said, God, when I was working, you know, for Cook's Pest Control, they, they took care of the necessities of doing the work that they had assigned me to do. And I said, how much better are you? How much more powerful are you? And, man, it just seemed like, man, God would just come through and answer my prayer. And it, it's something that I've really come to expect because... I'm, I'm doing what He has called me to do. And so, but that can certainly be true when we give to missions. And so when, when I went to that missions conference in uh, Stennett Ballou, y'all excuse me for a minute, I'm getting dry here. That happens here in the West. It never happened in the South. <laughs> but when I went to that missions conference and Stennett Ballou shared that story and he, he had personal testimonies of how he tested God with this. And it bothered me so bad that, like, it's all I thought about. I, I thought, man, I, I really need to test God with this. And I'm not telling, listen, this is not prescriptive. I'm just telling you what God did in my own life. The first thing that I did is me and Leah really prayed about it. You know, you got to check with your wife first. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a, a big step. But, um, you know, she had come to the conference. We were praying about it. She was on board. And so... I just really felt in my heart, I, I had a certain amount that I wanted to give to a certain need of a missionary that I, I knew of. So we did that, and I'm telling you, it was, it, was, it was, from a pragmatic standpoint, it was a dumb thing to do. Once again, not saying you had to do this. But I had given enough to where if the Lord didn't come through, I wasn't going to be able to make my whole house payment that month. And uh, about a week later, somebody called me up out of the blue, and, and they said... Um, Pastor Vaughn, you know, we had a, a distant relative pass away, and they left some jewelry for us. We don't, you know, really want it, don't care for it. We thought about you, and, hey, just, I don't even know what it's worth. Why don't you just take it and see what you can get for it? So I did. I, I took it to the pawn shop, and uh, the price they gave me was about $30 less than my house payment. And they said, would you be willing to take this? And I said, well, how about this? And I, I upped it to my house payment, and they're like, well... 
you know, I was going to shoot a little lower, but, you know, I'm not going to haggle with you. I'm like a pawn shop that's not going to haggle with you. So, you know, so God came through and I had my house payment. I had given to the mission. I said, okay. I said, God, you win this round. But I said, now I want to test you on a more permanent basis. I want to see how this is going to work. So me and Leah, we began to pray about what would we do monthly over our tithe just to, to pay for missions. And so we, we prayed. We had an amount in our minds and our hearts. And the monthly amount was crazy compared to what our budget was. It just simply was not there. And, but we did. We, we, had the, we had the checks wrote out to the missionaries that we were going to take home monthly. Already had the checks in the mail. And if they cleared, we won't be able to pay our rest of our bills. And that night, the night that I put those checks in the mail, it was a Wednesday night, we went to church and one of the men of the church kind of pulled me to the side and he, he wrapped his arm around me and said, you know, you've been here for a few years now. We've never given you a raise. And, me and you know, the men have been talking. We need to give you a raise. And they had already talked about it. And so they actually gave me my first check like the following Sunday and it was the exact amount, the exact to the dollar amount that we had sent those missionaries and had agreed to do Every month, that was my raise, my monthly raise. And so it was already gone before I got it, but I thank God for it. You see how that works? How that, no, I wasn't getting rich. I wasn't, you know, in a, in a real sense, as far as my money, our money was concerned, it wasn't a raise. But I wasn't out that money either. You see how that works? And over the years, like, I mean, it's just really the totality of it, it's been insane how much we have been able to give based on what we have. Like, it's, it doesn't even make sense. And like I said, that's something between you and God. You have to come to that place. But I'm telling you, I've, I've tested God on this. And I really, the reason that I think it's so important to encourage missions and push it and talk about it is because it's not something that we just focus on naturally. I think it's it's kind of like losing weight. I mean, we'd all like to do it, but it's never going to happen by accident. I wish it would. That would be awesome. But it's something we have to think about and make conscious steps to make happen. And it's the same thing with missions. Some people just never thought about it like that. And, and even when it comes to like giving in a charitable sense, I know I've shared this story before, but I'm sure some of the newer folks have not heard this. But years ago, um, I'm telling you, Man, God is just, He just comes through in a way sometimes, and if we're not looking, we'll miss it. But me and Leah, we hadn't been married too long. Um, I was pastor my first church out in Gordo, Alabama, the big metropolis of Gordo, Alabama. And, um, you know, working full time, we lived in a, a little 900 square foot apartment, and we had two babies in diapers. And I do not recommend trying that at home. Uh, Allison had colic, and I'm telling you, if that child was awake, for the first nine months of her life, if she was awake, she was crying. And, I mean, you know, sometimes you just want to find some, you know, Benadryl, but, you know. Um, one of my favorite pictures is of me sitting on the couch, and I have two crying babies on my knee, and I've got my earmuffs that I wear when I shoot guns just because I just couldn't. I just had to. I needed a moment, you know. And Leah had snuck that picture. And I'm telling you, we didn't have anything. Financially, we didn't have anything. I mean, nothing. And um, I heard about a need that, that a preacher friend that I knew had, and uh, he had a pretty big family, um, had some, you know, had kids, and 
and he had lost his job. I mean, he had a, had a good job, but he lost it, like right there are the holidays. And, uh, you know, they were living paycheck to paycheck. They didn't really have a, a lot in savings, and they, man, they just didn't know how they were going to make it. And it was a Saturday night, and Leah and I, we were laying in bed, and I was just so bothered by that. And I said, Lord, I just want to help them. I, I want to I give them something, but I don't have anything to give. But I said, in my exact prayer, I still remember the words that I said. I said, Lord, if you'll put it in my hand, I'll put it in his hand. That next morning, we went out to you know, preach at the little church out there, and, and they had decided as a church to give us a, like a, a Christmas bonus, uh, you know, gift for Christmas. And I could not believe how much that church gave us, like especially that time, like I just couldn't believe it, you know. And I was just, I was just so thrilled about that, and I, I never forgot about that. And within, within 10 hours of me praying that prayer, I had it in my hand. And I, I was so excited about that. We put it in an envelope, and I rode out to his church. Probably, it was almost an hour away, out in the middle of nowhere. There's no cell phone service. And I, I, was, I said, I got something I want to give you. And uh, the Lord just put on a heart, and we gave it to him. And, and uh, we left, and I, we drove away, you know, before he even opened it up, and like I said, there was no cell service. I had to drive 20 minutes to get cell service, but he had called me and left a voicemail. And he was weeping so hard, you couldn't even understand what he was saying, but I didn't have to. And uh, man, that's just, but do we even think to pray about those things? Do we think in those terms? And I can't tell you how many times he's done things like that. But, but what we say is, Lord, if you'll just, you know, we think about all the things that we want. And Lord, you know, you give me all this, and then when I have extra, well, then I'll, I'll give. And God says, you give, and then I'll give you extra. <laughs> and then it won't be extra, because you've already given. This is, this is the concept behind faith promise missions. And I've, you know, I would not preach this just on second-hand account. I'm, I'm, not coming to, I'm not preaching this on credit this morning. I've seen it in my own life because it's a biblical principle. And he is talking, Paul is talking about the church at Macedonia that gave out of their lack and God made it to where it was no lack at all. This is the sustaining of giving. And as I said, if there was ever anything that God would provide for, it would be the Great Commission. Missions are the very heartbeat of God. So we, we see the sustaining of giving. But then lastly this morning, I want to talk for just a few minutes about the satisfaction of giving. Look at, let's flip over one chapter, go to 2 Corinthians 9. As I mentioned many times in the original Hebrew and Greek manuscripts, there was no uh, verse numberings, there was no chapter breaks. I'm thankful for those things in our English Bible, but sometimes I feel like they can break a context a little bit. And this is the same thought, continued over, and let's, let's read what else he had to say. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet if I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, you may be ready, lest happily, if they have Macedonia, come with me and find you unprepared. Um, <clears throat> we that we say ye 
should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. And so here, Paul is getting to the very motive of why we give. It's not to be seen, it's not to get a big head, it's not with the expectation that God is going to just burst our bank accounts, but it is that God loves a cheerful giver. God is, he is concerned with our motive for giving, the very heart. And I, I believe, once again, this is why it's not mandated. He wants us to do it uh, freely of our own heart, to purpose in our heart, as we just read, uh, to give unto the Lord. In fact, when he uses the phrase cheerful giver here, the word cheerful comes from the Greek word hilarious. <laughs> and it's where we get our word hilarious. And you know, some of the greatest joys of my life, I love a good laugh. And uh, I like being sarcastic. I like picking on people. In fact, I've, I've told you this. If I start treating you too good, there's probably something wrong between us, you know. But, but the concept here is to have that same laughter, that joy, to be overjoyed to be able to give to others and to meet a need. And, you know, as far as missions giving goes, you know, we've got the map in the hallway here of the missionaries that we support monthly. Just a reminder of where they are in the world, places that we'll probably never go to and never see. And yet, because of the giving of this church here in Logan, Utah, and other churches like it, we can have a part in other people coming to Christ. In fact... Um, that, that became very real to me last year. If you came to the missions conference last year, the Petrakos were here. And they're over Lighthouse Baptist publications and they print gospel tracts in, in dozens of languages in all over the world. And they showed us a video. of uh, It was in the Philippines. God's really doing a good work in the Philippines right now. And they showed tracts printed from their printers, from their press, in the Philippine language, and there were, it, may, it was hundreds, it may have been over a thousand kids, I don't know, that were reading these tracts in their language, hearing the gospel for the first time, and you could see some of those children even crying, tearing up as they're reading the, the story of Jesus Christ and what He did to save them from sin. And I thought, wow, we had a small part of that. We gave money that went to print those tracts. That made it real for me. And so what, a, what an awesome opportunity that we have to joyfully give to things like this. God is concerned with our motive. That's why you shouldn't give grudgingly. That's why I'm not going to stand up here and browbeat you. If you don't, I'm just not going to do that. Because then I, I talked about the illustration between me and my children as a father coming between them and God in certain areas of their life. Now, yes, I, I have to lay down rules. I don't just allow everything and say, well, that's between you and God. I don't do that. You all know I don't do that. 
But even as a pastor, you know, if I try to play the part of the Holy Spirit and say, you know, you're, you're lost or you're a bad church member or shame on you and I start wagging that finger, well, then it's really between me and you now. I know I, I want it to be between you and God because He's going to do a whole lot better job at raking you over the coals than I will. It's, it's not letting you off the hook. I'm, I'm letting God deal with you. <laughs> and so, uh, but what a, what a wonderful opportunity. And you know, Christian charity is one of the things that make us stand out from the lost and dying world. Um, I remember reading a letter. It was written by the wicked emperor, Rome, the Roman emperor Julian in the year 337 A.D. And he was writing a letter to one of his pagan priests And in that letter, he wrote the following concerning Christians. He said, When it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priest, then I think the impious Galileans, that's a a slang term for Christians, they observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. They support not only their poor, but ours as well. All men see that our people lack aid from us. And then Julian went on to propose to his pagan priest, he said, you guys need to start doing charity like the Christians do so we can advance our pagan religion. Well, it didn't work because people that don't know the God of love have no reason to show the love of God. It's the way it's always been. You know, you hear atheists talk about how Christians and religion, you know, have just been uh, the cancer of society for all these years. You know what I always ask them? I say, can you name one atheist hospital for me? Can you name one atheist orphanage? Can you name one atheist charitable group? They can never do it. You know why? Because they're being consistent with their worldview. If we're all just descendants of fish, what's the point of treating other people with dignity and respectability? And plus, when you die, all you do is take an eternal dirt nap. Who cares? It's temporary. And so, in fact, I'll never forget, years ago I was watching an interview. Uh, I can't remember what news outlet did it, probably not one of the more liberal ones for sure. But they were interviewing this president of this atheist association, and they were filing a lawsuit against uh, the Samaritan's Purse. Uh, Y'all are probably familiar with Operation Christmas Child where they... At Christmas time, they pack all these shoeboxes with different toys and maybe some hygiene items, and then they'll put gospel tracts in there. Well, the atheists were suing Samaritan's Purse because they said it wasn't right. They were trying to recall and to block these shoeboxes and these gifts being given to these poor children in third world countries, all because they had a gospel tract in there. And I'll never forget what the news anchor said. For all of the bad journalism, and there's a lot, This one journalist said, and uh, so let me get straight, you're you're trying to retract and block these shoeboxes to the children. He said, yes. And he said, well, let me ask you this. What is your atheist organization doing to help these children here at Christmas time? And the guy goes, "Uh, uh, 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 that was his answer for about five to seven seconds. In other words, nothing. And it just shows you the wickedness and the hypocrisy of their position. But they don't have a reason to. We do. We do. It is truly more blessed to give than to receive. And so lastly, I want to I give some application and explanation here in the last few minutes. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 8, and we'll bring this thing in for a close. But 
I'm going to talk about the steps to giving. Maybe, maybe just like I was when I was sitting in that missions conference and I was listening to Brother Stennett Blue, it was so new to me that I really had to process it. And you may be new to this, you may have never heard of it, and you have to really pray and seek the Lord about this. What, what are the steps? If you wanted to start, what would you do? This would be my advice, and actually Paul gives his advice, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 10, and here and I give my advice. Here we go. Um, he says, For this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there be first a willing mind, there's the first step, a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath. That's the second step. And according to that he hath not. That's step three. For I mean not that other men be eased and you be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much had nothing uh, over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. Step one, if you want to start giving to missions, be willing. Be willing. And if you don't have a heart to do it, pray for a heart to do it. And if you don't have a heart to pray for a heart to do it, pray for the heart to pray for a heart to do it. We can go back to eternity, but you need that. You need to be willing to do that. And if you're not willing to do that, there, there's some priority issues there. But the second step is if you're willing, I would encourage you as a first step to be willing to give from what you have. You know, and this is what I'm talking about when we talk about uh, you know, missions being intentional about missions. Uh, the first intentional step I would take is budget for missions. You know, just like you budget for the light bill and you budget for groceries and you budget for this. I mean, take an honest look and pray about it and say, God, what could I commit to giving to missions above my tithe on a monthly level? What could I do? Commit to that, work it in your missions. And what you're going to find is you'll never even notice that money's gone. I've, I've just seen it too many times. And then when you get to that place, you say, well... Maybe I would like to test God even with things that don't make sense mathematically. Now, I've done that, and I've, I've told you how it worked out. I kind of skipped the middle step. I don't, I'm not saying that God calls you to live like that all the time. There may be seasons in your life where He puts a specific uh, need in your path and a burden on your heart, and you do that. I'm not saying you need to do that all the time. But <clears throat> on, a, on a consistent basis, we need to budget missions, for lack of a better term in our own personal life, above our tithe to support uh, the missions and the work of the gospel there. Uh, ultimately, you have to purpose in your heart to give to the Lord, to give to missions, and you can have a part in someone else coming to Christ uh, in other parts of the world. Now, we're going to start doing more local missions here. I've got some pretty exciting announcements about that we're going to talk about. But, um, <clears throat> but um, next week, as I said, we're going to hand out blank cards to everyone. And you're going to write down on that card your commitment monthly for the rest of the year till our next missions conference. You don't have to put your name on it. Um, just that, but whatever that number is, that's what we base our missions budget on. And what I love about this, some of the biggest blessings I've gotten from this is when we swapped to faith missions, we used to you know, do everything completely from the general fund, which kind of made things diff difficult at the local level. But when we... Um, start a missions conference, 
what I, probably my favorite, most heartwarming thing is when we took up the cards to, to see what the numbers were, there was a, um, some of the kids, like seven, eight, nine years old, and they had written down like $10, you know, from their allowance or something. And they didn't know they weren't supposed to put their name, so they put their name, and I'm glad they did. And it really just blessed my heart. I, I mean, there's a difference between being mission-minded and mission-hearted. Mission-minded is good. Mission-hearted is infinitely better. And uh, it's just something that seems to infect the church at so many levels, and we need that. And so just be in prayer about that, what God would have you give. Be in prayer about the offering this morning because it's all going to go to the missionaries. And uh, just, just test God on these things. This is a great avenue of spiritual growth in the way that we care for missions and the work of the Lord.